Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. The fact is that if you want to win in 2018, you're going to have to be a lot more clever about how you're starting those conversations. You actually need to have the genuine will to build long-term relationships with people. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello and welcome to episode 134 of Perpetual Traffic. This is Keith Krantz and we've got uh, Molly Pittman, Ralph Burns, and a special guest on today to talk about some Facebook Messenger. I am super excited. Molly, I'm going to let you do the intro and a little overview here because you put this together and I'm, I'm excited to get some questions in, take some notes, and get into it. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, I'm really excited about today's episode. It's the first of a few episodes that we're going to do about Facebook Messenger and chatbots. And today we are very lucky and thankful to have the wonderful Dan Gamito, who is the director of growth at Minichat. How you doing, Dan? Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. Thanks for showing up and sharing your knowledge. Yeah, I love talking about this stuff. Back at the end of 2016 and in November when Facebook launched Messenger ads, it really created even more of a need for a tool like Minichat, which had been created, I think, in May of 2016. So when I really started to dig in and found Minichat, the, the superior tool, and decided to go with it, Dan was always helpful and still is <laughs> and has really been my point of contact at Minichat. So he is full of knowledge on messenger marketing. And Dan, do you want to talk about your role a little bit at Minichat? Like, what do you do exactly? Yeah, so I came in pretty early and we were just starting to think that we could have product market fit. And that's a term that geeky SaaS people use when people are starting to rip the product out of your hands. So 
we didn't know quite how to position this. And I came in and I'd, I'd come from an email marketing company before and uh, I'd helped build that company from zero to a bunch. So I had some experience with SaaS before and I, I thought, well, this is a perfect segue into a new communication medium. And uh, I came in basically to solve all the problems that the CEO didn't have time to solve. So um, <laughs> I built a support team from zero to you know five people. And uh, I also built out all of our initial strategic partnerships and did a lot of business development. I also taught myself how to build bots and, and, and how to get actual business results with them. So it was a pretty neat, like crazy first six months just trying to figure out whatever I needed to do to help move the business forward. And a lot of those initiatives turned out to be super productive. And here we are now, about 250,000 users later. Yeah, huge growth. And we were talking about this earlier, Dan. By the way, guys, Dan and I are in the process of creating a free course from Minichat that will launch at the end of February. So trying to put all of the knowledge we have about Messenger into one place that's easily accessible for everybody. So be on the lookout for that. But Dan and I were really talking about the evolution of this communication channel. And in 2016, this launched and everyone was talking about it. No one really knew how to use it. In 2017, you really saw a lot of people still talking about Messenger and not actually doing anything with it or using Messenger sort of in the same way that they were using email marketing. I think it's hard when any new tech launches, right, or a new communication line opens up to brands because your first gut instinct is to take what you're already doing in marketing and just apply it to that channel. And that's what a lot of people did in 2017. It, it was pretty successful, right? But I think that in 2018, What's going to happen is not only are we really upon a time where more people are understanding Messenger, using Messenger, getting used to talking to brands inside of Messenger, but there's actual Messenger strategy being developed that's not just duplicating you know, your email marketing efforts over into this new channel because this is a new channel. This is not email. I think that's a big point that we want to make today, along with, you know, really talking about some terms of service stuff that I know you guys have questions about. But Dan, like, what are your thoughts there? Like, what do you see for this year in messenger marketing? How do you think the market is going to, to develop? I love the parallels that you drew with email marketing and how a lot of people who are doing email marketing already are jumping into messenger and thinking that the strategies that they're using in email are going to translate into Messenger, except with just higher click-through rates and better open rates. So I think that that might have been the case for the first six months of Messenger because of the explosion of the, of the bot space and the fact that more and more people are using Messenger as a, a channel of communication between uh, themselves and businesses. But the fact is that if you want to win in 2018, if you want to really set yourself up for success over the next five years with Messenger, you're going to have to be a lot more clever about how you're starting those conversations with people. And I think that more important than being clever, you actually need to have the genuine will to build long-term relationships with people. So um, if you're not thinking about building a long-term customer, a long-term relationship, then you might be shooting fish in a barrel, as they say, right in the short term. You might be able to send people a coupon and get them to, to buy now. But if you don't have an ongoing process, if you're not following that customer journey all the way to the end, 
you're not really going to have a good time on Messenger. You're, you're going to have to spend a lot of money on acquisition. You're going you're to be churning out a lot of those conversations. And that's not something a lot of people are thinking about right now. And I think the people who are, are really killing it. So yeah. um, Messenger is about retention. If you want to grow a business long term, it's really about retention. So retain those conversations, give people value over time, and really build a relationship with them. You're going to have a really great time. Yeah. I mean, Messenger is like email in the fact that when you acquire an email list, you have to entertain and keep up with that email list. You can't just go to the email list when you want to ask them to buy something. But what's inherently different about Messenger is that it's not a one-to-many broadcast, right? Like we're not sending one email that has one message to your entire subscriber list. Messenger, you know, even though you can send broadcasts, the thought process behind this, the creativity that goes into this is essential because the goal of Messenger is to start and facilitate a conversation with an end user that to that person feels very individual and personalized, right? And that's what a lot of people are missing about Messenger. For example, I was working with a client earlier this week and we had talked about implementing mini chat and they're like, okay, Molly, we're, we're testing it out. And I went to look at what they were doing and they had installed you know, one of the growth tools onto their landing page for a webinar. So you know, sending traffic from Facebook to a landing page and you could either register for the webinar by opting in with your email address, very traditional, or you also had an option to click and register through Facebook Messenger. Nothing inherently wrong with that strategy, not saying that it won't work, but that example showed me, wow, a lot of people are missing the mark on this, right? Because the point of Messenger is that it is a frictionless communication channel, so if we're going to send someone from Facebook to a landing page to click in Messenger to go back to Facebook, they've lost sight of what's best for the end user. I would have had the Facebook ad click open inside of Messenger, collected the information we needed from that person to register them for the webinar, you know, sent a Zapier over to their CRM, and then delivered the webinar, right? Delivered a link to the webinar in Messenger so that they could then go over to that web page. But Dan, would you agree? Like, is that a lot of what you're seeing? Just, you know, uh, people not understanding that this channel is so different, right? And therefore, as marketers, we have to create very different strategies than we have in the past. I would agree with you on a lot of those points. And I think that I'd like to circle back to something you said at the very beginning, which was that a lot of people aren't focusing on the, the end user. So the people who actually use Messenger every day to talk to their friends and family and businesses sometimes. I think that if, if we're going to have a conversation about Messenger, we need to have a conversation about the people who use Messenger. And that's kind of all of us. At some point, we've probably used Messenger to check in with a friend who's in a, another country or somebody who works at a business who we're, you know, we're asking them if, if they're open or uh, if they're, if they're going to be closed on a certain day. Uh, so the thing about it is people use Messenger in general to get short, succinct bits of information from people about things that matter to them. They're trying to make a connection right now to get to close a knowledge gap in their life. And that's one functional reason why people use Messenger. And that's a lot, of the, a lot of the conversations that are happening right now. There's also other reasons why people use Messenger. So when it comes to personality brands, people like famous YouTubers, you'll see people reaching out to their Facebook pages just trying to have a more personal relationship with them. So 
what they're effectively doing is they're looking at Messenger and they're saying, well, this is a more intimate medium. What if this guy is actually on the other end of this line? What if, because I've been sending him emails for months, he doesn't respond to those. What if I get on Messenger and Messages page and what do you know? You get a response back. So people look at Messenger as a way of instantly or very nearly instantly communicating with people that you don't have access to normally. Um, it's kind of like what Twitter used to be when, you know, in the very early days when you could actually get on there and you could message somebody you never would be able to talk to. <laughs> and then suddenly they'd message you back and with like something thoughtful. You're like, holy shit. So, um, so it's kind of that same feeling that you get internally when you, somebody reaches back out to you. And I think that that's the feeling that I, I, I would love us all to focus on. It is the feeling of being heard that people are searching for on Messenger. And there are lots of different mediums that are competing for that feeling. Sometimes it's watching an inspirational YouTube video that will give you that feeling like somebody just totally gets you. Maybe they didn't call you up by name, but it's some, you know, you watch a YouTube video and somehow it speaks to you. That's literally what we're talking about here is that there are many different, you know, emotional needs that we have. And one of them is just to be heard. And Messenger is a place that people go to feel heard. So if you're not thinking about Number one, the functional aspect of Messenger, which is how do I get information to people that are that that's preventing them from making some kind of progress? So in other words, I want to go to this pizza restaurant, but I don't know if it's open and I don't want to drive all the way over there. There's an obstacle to this progress I'm trying to make in my life. If you can use Messenger to overcome that progress, you're going to get a you're get, or the obstacle, you're going to get a, a customer today. So that's what I would say. Uh, people are focused way too much on the tools and the cool things you can do with bots. And I mean, those things are really cool and fun. And I, I would love for you to spend time doing those things. But if you're not focused on removing obstacles to people's progress in their life, you're not going to do very well in any medium. And most of the time with email, people are doing anything but that. They're actually just throwing more obstacles in people's ways. You're just spamming a bunch of stuff out that people may or may not want, mostly because you don't know who you're talking to and you don't know what they're actually, you know, you don't know why they're coming to you hoping to make some progress. So if you are a mediocre email marketer and you're coming into Messenger, you're just going to scale those like that lack of understanding into Messenger and you're going to burn out your list really fast. It's the same story all over again. Is, is, it reminds me of Facebook ads, that things we've been preaching for the last three, four, five, six years. So many people get so excited about the tactics and the, the new targeting and all this stuff, right? All these things, but nobody wants to spend the time focusing on how to craft a message or how to build a simple system that can connect with people based on their level of awareness or level of intent and where they're at. And, and it's like, exactly. oh gosh, get in there. Anybody can learn, especially how good you guys have just made this interface now. It's like crazy simple to learn, takes some time, but the stuff that we're talking about here is the game changer. Dan, you used such a good example when we were talking in Portland at WeWork um, about this very topic. And I don't know if you remember this, but we were speaking hypothetically about if you were like a fitness company or someone that was helping, you know, a achieve some sort of, you know, health goals. Most people would go about Messenger just like email and they would probably use the comment growth tool to give away some sort of lead magnet, build this subscriber list, and then just, you know, broadcast about these, you know, fitness products that they have and how they can help the end user. Do you, do you remember that discussion? Yeah, sure. I'm, I've talked about fitness a lot because there's a lot of fitness people who are doing really well on Messenger and there's a bunch 
bunch of them who are doing a very poor job as well. Yeah. And remember you were talking about really switching your thinking to the other way, right? Like we're helping people solve problems. Yeah. So if you're using chatbot, whether it's for acquisition or monetization, and you were this fitness company, do you, do you remember the questions that you were telling me that you would ask to get information from this person so that you could recommend the best product? Like uh, really why they wanted to be in better shape. Like if you could go into that, that helped shape my thinking on this so much. You said we're here to help people solve problems. And I don't actually think that's true because um, I think that that's an old way of thinking about things. That's a much better way of thinking about things than just not thinking about the way you're com communicating with people. <laughs> yeah. But I think that there's a there's a much more productive and actually more accurate model for understanding why people make decisions, especially purchasing decisions. So what I would say is that it's not our job to help people solve problems as much as it is to help them feel like they're making progress. And mm. the thing is that progress is such a subjective concept and progress in one context isn't necessarily progress in another context. Um, there's this uh, kind of famous mural or it's uh, maybe a big poster at Facebook, at Facebook HQ. And I remember the first time I went there, I saw it and I was like, wow, this is kind of like, this is kind of candid. But it said, uh, it says, and I think they still have it hanging up there. It says, never mistake movement for progress. So mm. that that's a beautiful statement because um, sometimes we're making fast moves towards something, but we're not actually making progress. You know, like when you clean your room instead of like filing your taxes, you're moving like you're, you're actually physically moving. You're doing stuff, but you're not actually making progress towards the thing that is causing you the anxiety. So in other words, you're, if, you, if you were to look at it uh, kind of in a funny way, you'd say that if cleaning your room is like a person you could hire. I'm going to hire that person instead of hiring doing my taxes because this person is going to alleviate the anxiety right now, but it never does. I mean, basically, procrastination never actually alleviates the anxiety. So when we're talking about fitness or any kind of vertical where somebody's trying to make progress, they don't have a problem. Very few people actually have problems that are so dire that they're looking mm. for solutions to them. It's very, very unusual. Most of the time, people have some kind of anxiety in their life about something. There are social pressures there are, there are emotional pressures and there are probably some kind of functional pressures. So I remember when Derek Halpern was uh, like just getting started and he saw himself on video for the first time at some conference and he was like, oh man, I, I look fat. And I remember him, <laughs> I remember him, remember him talking about it. And I just thought it was so funny because he's such a, he's uh he's not fat. He's just, character. he's, he's such a character, but he's like, yeah, I look fat. And so he went on this like fitness kick after seeing himself on a video. That's a perfect example of this need to see some or to feel some kind of progress towards something. And in, in this case, him hiring a personal trainer and doing some fitness work and then talking about it on Facebook or on YouTube or on his blog, that was his way of feeling like he was making progress. So he didn't have an actual problem. He wasn't, he's not obese. He's just, you know, he didn't like the way he looked on camera. So that's just one example. And I don't mean to pick out Derek. We, we love you, Derek. But um, it's just like <laughs> uh, the, the, these things, we, we tend to overlook these functional, social, and emotional pressures as marketers. And it's funny because those are the very levers that we can pull to get to, to persuade people that we're the thing that's going to help them make progress right now. So when you're trying to sell fitness products to people, for example, there's a, a person out there who's trying to make progress towards something in their life. So let me talk about a few types of people who might be the kind of people who would buy fitness supplements. 
you have somebody who's in their 30s, their metabolism is slowing down, they have disposable income, and they might be single, and they think that the reason why they're single is because they might be a little bit pudgy around the middle. They have this like social pressure to get their shit together and like get married and have kids and stuff. So that's a, a context in their life. This is a person who has the social pressure in their life that they, they should have their stuff together. They should have a good job by now. They should be in shape. They should have a, a, a wife and some kids. So that's causing some emotional stress. And that emotional stress is leading to them searching on YouTube for how to get six-pack abs. There's all these different behaviors that are caused by this emotional stress. And that stuff is actually measurable. We have Facebook pixels. We have, we have analytics that can show you what kind of things this person's up to on the internet right now. And then there's like this functional need, which is much less of the problem, the functional need to be a healthy person that I don't think many people actually buy, buy supplements because there's a functional need. I think mostly it's emotional and social pressures that are making people feel like they need to buy supplements. And that's just my opinion. I'm just one, one person. So that's what you really want to do to find out how, how to push this per person's buttons the right way to get them to pay attention to you instead of all the other options that they have. Because not only are you as a fitness supplement provider competing with other like methodologies or other diet plans, you're competing with inaction. You're competing with this person saying, well, I'm not going to do anything. It's actually easier just not to, not to think about this. So and that's, that's really tough. When you're in the fitness industry, you're competing with inaction, which is one of the most compelling things to do is to do nothing. So, the questions that you need to ask this person, and, and Messenger can be a wonderful place to do this kind of customer development, is you know, try to figure out what the context of this person's life is. Because you know, if this guy is in his mid-30s, his metabolism is slowing, he, and he feels the social pressure to have kids, needs, and he thinks that the only way to do that is to have six-pack abs, that's completely different than a mother who just had twins. And she is just feeling kind of worried about everything and her body's changing and she has these two miracles in her life, but she doesn't like the way she looks and she, her metabolism is also slowed down a little bit and she feels tired all the time. Those two people might buy the same fitness supplement, but they're in two completely different contexts of their lives. So if you're going to message those two people the, the same way, if you're going to send one email to both those people, guess how effective that email is going to be? <laughs> yeah. Do you guys see what I'm saying here? Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's where Messenger comes into play. I mean, you're basically talking about segmentation of the why, yes. right? Like why someone would take action. And that's like when Dan explained this to me, it opened my eyes because I was like, no, this isn't one to many. This is using Messenger to collect that data that we need so that we can create more tailored marketing messages. And it's so much more intimate than email. Like you could send out an email survey and segment your audience, right? But to be inside of Messenger and having a brand, you know, whether it's automated or not, actually ask you questions about your life or, you know, whatever your market is, ask them questions about why, right? Like, why are they engaging with you? What do they need? That is the huge power of this channel, in, in my opinion. I think one of the things that's really uh, intimidating to people is that all sounds really complicated. Like all I have to do to my list right now in Infusionsoft or Aweber or MailChimp is just write one email. But now you're talking about, I have to segment out my audience. How do you actually do that? And I think that's where sort of Messenger 2.0 takes over. And I think, you know, back on episode 80, we talked about how to acquire people and how to get them into this many chat sort of list. And I think people have been 
obsessed with that for the last year or so. And I think now it's like, it's next level. Like, uh, okay, now I have 7,000 people in my many chat list. What do I do with them now? Like, how do I approach them? And maybe, you know, you can talk about that, but also maybe the right way to even acquire them for those people who haven't even gotten to that step yet. I think there's still some confusion around that as well. The other thing is I think sometimes you got to get some momentum, right? So it's like about making progress. For example, we had our certification event coming up in November. We also had a book launch and it was a really, really busy time and only had a few hours to put towards something. So, hey, let's just quickly do, let's let's test out the messenger and do a uh, giveaway as part of the book because it's a, it's a book launching, you know, focusing on the Amazon side, not the free book funnel. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, is got in there, did a simple, simple campaign. But the good thing about that was, is it, it gave me the momentum to go in there and learn and now actually know the system and feel comfortable with taking it to the next level and building something more complex. So if that's all you've done, or maybe if you got to do something simple initially just to get your feet wet, that's okay. Like don't, you know, beat yourself up. That's one thing I want to, I want to jump in and make sure people are okay with, but then that's just, it's progress, right? To the next level, which is what we're talking about now. Definitely. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, I think everything sort right. of evolves in steps. But I mean, so that was step one, you know, and there's plenty of information, especially through this podcast to figure out step one, but maybe you can lend some insights to that. But it's like, it's level two where a lot of people kind of look at us and say, what do I do next? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. And I think even with step one, right? Like we talked a lot about the the comment growth tool inside of Minichat, which allows you to sync Minichat with a certain Facebook post. And then people that comment on that post, whenever they comment, it opens there in, in Facebook Messenger, right? It's a really powerful acquisition tool. It's a really powerful uh, conversation tool. So let's use this as an example to solidify this topic, right? Like even how you can take step one and make it what Dan is talking about, right? And I think the new engagement bait uh, terms of service from Facebook, this kind of forced us to do this. And I think that's a great way to describe how to think this way while still achieving quick wins through Messenger. So Dan, do you want to talk a little bit because you know more than anyone that I've talked to, you know, a few weeks ago, Facebook rolled out these new terms, Mm. right? And a lot of it, a lot of the terms are there to, you know, prevent fake news, but really to make the consumer experience better on Facebook, right? And we talked a lot about that last week in terms of Zuckerberg's recent announcements and things like that. So would you mind to talk a little bit about the changes and what those mean for Messenger? And then maybe we could dive in, we could all come up with a real live example of how you can still get these quick wins, maybe through the comment tool, while still making Facebook happy, not breaking the rules, and really giving your customers a platform to to talk, right? And not to just be sold to. Certainly. So before I start this, keep in mind that I'm not a lawyer and I don't, uh, I, <laughs> I, I don't know how to read documents in a way which helps me talk about them uh, completely accurately or whatever. So if in, just disclaimer, I'm just trying to cover my ass right now. So if anybody's listening and is, I'm incorrect about something, please don't sue me. So... Dan does not work for Facebook. Yeah, totally. I don't. Well, I mean, we all work for Facebook, but yes. Uh, 
Yeah. Indirectly. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So it's funny that you, I hear people saying things like uh, these new rules, these new things that Facebook came out with. And the, the funny thing about that is that these actually aren't new at all. Right. There's been terms of service. There have been like platform policies that have been in place since the beginning, which either implicitly or explicitly prohibited certain behaviors. One of them was offering people free stuff in exchange for a comment, like, or a share. That's actually been in the platform policy since the beginning. It's just that, number one, that's really difficult to uh, police. It's really difficult to enforce at scale. And number two, um, they weren't really explicit. They didn't give explicit examples of what that looked like. So these new platform policies are them doubling down on some of the platform policies and being more explicit about what some of those things look like. It makes total sense to me because... As they evolve as a platform, as, as they get more data, as they get to watch more people use different features and, and, and figure out why they're using it that way, they are evolving the way that they think about it. So uh, I don't think Facebook gets enough credit for uh, and, and, and those like thousands of nameless people that are on the compliance team that are back there trying to figure out how to make the whole platform a better place for everybody. There are actual human beings there that are not robots that are just like, how do we make this a, an excellent place for people to spend time? <laughs> And their job is almost harder than like the government, <laughs> exactly. right? Like, how do we make this state a great p- place to live? Facebook's like, how do we make, you know, the platform with the most users in the whole world, yeah. a happy and safe place for people, right. right? Like, I agree, we don't give them credit for that. Like, that's a huge task. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing feat that they've even been able to, that they've even been able to create something like the newsfeed. So so that's that's kind of where I'm going to start with all this is that these these platform policies aren't actually new. They're just doubling down on and then they're cracking down on a lot of it. So right. Um, and they came out with more detail about them recently. Exactly. Right. More explanation. So, yep. Totally. So this whole concept of not being able to trade something free in exchange for a comment, share or a like. I'm going to try to explain my interpretation of why of why that's actually better for everybody. The thing is that the like button that that you use so you, so ubiquitous everywhere that doesn't belong to you as the user. It doesn't belong to you as the person who does who creates a Facebook page. That's a that's a proprietary mechanism that was designed by some brilliant engineers to improve data collection on their part so that they could know what you're into and also to build a, an engagement point simultaneously that you can you can feel like your voice is being heard. I like this. I want everybody to know that I like this. This is a public-facing endorsement tool. So that's not yours. It's a tool that you get to use when you're using Facebook that enriches your experience and helps them collect the data that they need to serve you better ads. And that's something that I think a lot of us need to, we all need to get on the same page about one thing, and that's that Facebook is not our platform. What? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Facebook does not belong to us. Yeah. Isn't that unbelievable? <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So it's that Zuckerberg guys. I know. I it's that guy. Yep. Yep. So yeah. the thing about this is I, uh, it's something that I think is is totally reasonable, but also kind of precious, is that people get so <laughs> upset when anything changes on Facebook. Like they're entitled to something working a certain way. And a lot of those people don't have never paid a single dollar to use Facebook. So that's a really fascinating concept to me that we, we give something endless attention and we expect it to work a certain way. And then when it doesn't, we all lose our minds. And, you know, I'm not criticizing that. I think it's a fascinating behavior. I do the same thing with other things. But Facebook is, it's just, it's there to entertain you. It's there to give you information that you think you need right now. It's there to give you a chance to communicate with other people and, and then speak to businesses. So take it for what it is. It's, it's, a, it's an online platform. 
and it's not it doesn't belong to you. So any marketers who are on there expecting this thing to just be a free for all the whole time, it's just not going to be. So when you're when you're taking somebody else's, you're saying, hey, this this like button is not mine, but I'm going to trade it. If you use it, I'm going to give you something for free. You're basically using it as leverage for your own gain, and it's not your it's not your house. Like if you're going to use someone else's property to like benefit personally you're going to have to pay a toll like that's the whole point so you're not paying to have people use that like feature but you're using it as leverage to get somebody's email address or get them to interact with you outside of messenger that is so well explained by the way yeah and so clear and concise because there it, this is not a public utility no it's not i mean it's it, you know it's not like the public library which i guess is sort of <laughs> ours <laughs> kind of because i pay taxes in my town totally. but it's like facebook is not that it's not so and people get caught up in that which is which is great that facebook has created that type of ownership and that type of entitlement because it makes the platform very sticky. Very good point. Obviously, and a huge, enormous user base to the point that, you know, the active users on Facebook is larger than any religion in the world (laughs) right now. So it's crazy. But yeah, I'm glad you said that because I think take all the stuff away that we talk about on this show. It's like at the level, we're actually sharecropping on somebody else's land here. I feel like we've been so out of the like whole organic, like let's try to hack Facebook to get free impressions game. It's so long. It's like this wasn't even for me. It was like all good news because it's like everything that we've been talking about for for the last few years. It's just working just as it has or, or probably going to work even better. But it's like if you understand how you can build a perpetual system, you can spend little money in ca- many cases and, and make much, 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 much more. And so we're always in this, like, how do you can, you, can you build a really cool system to build relationships with people? And then some of them might turn into leads or some might turn into customers. But it's like, if you look at it like that, this whole news thing is like, oh, that this is... Not a is, big deal. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so big. to me, it was just like, yeah. what the heck is all the fuss about? This is like... <laughs> yeah. The biggest thing for me was, you know, when the comment tool first came out, you know, I taught people to use it. Hey, comment yes below and get this lead magnet, right? It was the first application that I could think of in terms of how do I entice someone to comment on this post to, you know, start this messenger conversation. So, you know, a few weeks ago when they clarified things, you know, it wasn't a bad thing. It was just like, Dan, what do you think this means? And how do we still use this, you know, even just this feature, right? On Facebook in a way that Facebook likes and is best for the end user that still gets good results. So just some perspective. I don't think we ever came out and directly said, you know, what um, the, the changes were necessarily. But, you know, Facebook directly said that they do not want specific to Messenger people asking you know, their followers or whoever they're running the ad to, to comment below to get a certain thing, right? So just to clarify that in case anyone was lost in the conversation, like that is, you know, really the starting point of this, this conversation. Okay, this is amazing stuff here. And I'm going to jump in here because I'm thinking that uh, time-wise that... I'm thinking that what we'll do is we'll break this up 
uh, into two episodes next week, you can go deeper. You know, you don't have to rush. And so the listener, you guys can get a much better understanding of that. So now you guys have to come back next week. And Dan, man, this has been unbelievably great stuff here. I've been taking tons of notes. Many chat. Uh, what's the easiest way for people to go check out and sign up and just get in there and get get their hands dirty? Get on your Facebook page. Make sure that you have your page messenger enabled, and then go to manychat.com and you can sign up for an account for free. You can get a bot set up on your page for free in five minutes and just play around with it. Thank you so much, Dan. Yeah, thanks for coming on, bringing it. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Once again, this is episode one thirty four. The second half, part two, will be one thirty five next week. Until then, we will talk to you soon. See ya. Sweet. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply. That's tier11.com forward slash apply. And we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.